Well, I debated whether to start off the show with this or the theme from The Walking Dead. It tells you what kind of mood I'm in. Welcome to Speaking Out, America. Before we get to the the business of the day, uh, we uh, want to tell you about the website. It's growing. Listen live. The stream is active most of the day. And it's, it's considered sort of Speaking Out America radio. And sometimes you'll tune in and you'll hear news. And sometimes you'll hear interesting interviews. Of what's happening in the world at that moment from somewhere else. Speaking Out America. Now, I, I tell you to go here because I learned yesterday. This is amazing. I did not know this is true. But I learned because I'm not on Facebook. I don't use Facebook. But I learned yesterday that Facebook is now blocking any content that it deems to be right-wing or conservative. In other words, anybody who doesn't agree with the left. And I've noticed, for example, I put up a, a trailer on YouTube. You can find it if you go to Speaking Out America trailer or just do a search. I posted it up. It's sort of a, my plan eventually is to also do Rumble and do a live hour a day. That way I can take calls and do that. But right now, uh, as you know, it is on CRN from 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific, Monday through Friday, broadcasting live to the world. And we also have the podcast, so you can listen anytime, on our website, which is speakingoutamerica.com. But if you do a word search on it, you may not be directed to it first. You might have to dig two, three pages. And it's because this website, like others, has been targeted by the social media oligarchy, to restrict, unless you're specifically looking for it, and I mean specifically, you may not find it. You may not find, in fact, YouTube sent me an email shortly after I posted the trailer, which was innocuous enough. It wasn't anything overwhelmingly. I don't think that it crossed any lines or anything, but for whatever reason, they didn't like what I used, so they categorized it, restricting it from being able to be watched by children, which I don't really care. I don't think any children would necessarily want to hear. But they said, I didn't get a mark. That's what they said. Yeah, you didn't get a mark, but we just moved it into a different category. Please review the conditions, blah, blah, blah. And that just shows you YouTube is owned by Google. And Facebook probably owns uh, well, whatever they own. Uh, Instagram, I think, it is what it is, their primary... That's the. I think they're more profitable. But Facebook is eagerly going after uh, any kind of speech that doesn't agree with their ideological purity, which we talk about. So anyway, uh, so that my point is that you've got to share this stuff with your friends. You've got to reshare it, repost it. If you see something, if if you like what I say, then tell the world. Go on Rumble. Go on Getter. Go on Twitter, and point out this podcast. If you notice on our website. We don't cookie you. We don't get your profile. You don't sign up for anything. We're not taking your email. It's basically a, a nonprofit site for and about conservative point of views, which, by the way, I think are integral to the survival of our civilization. This civilization will not survive on woke ideology, as you can see. You see what's happening around the world. The financial institutions are on the brink of destruction. And many of these people that are involved are so preoccupied with woke ESG and reformulating the world in their own image that they're dragging the rest of us down. And so the conservative voices are the voices of reason, 
not the liberal voices, not the people that are out there promoting uh, transgenderizing our children or talking about turning off fossil fuels and being completely reliable on sustainable fuels which are not sustainable. They may be infinite, but they're not sustainable. Do you understand the difference between the two? Infinite, yes, sunshine is infinite, but it's real-time energy. You need the good stuff. You need the powerful stuff. You need the stuff that's been stored and compacted over thousands of years, perhaps even millions of years. You know, the energy that is in a, a piece of coal is the same energy that comes from the sun. It's just that it's condensed over time and compacted and the carbon release. Oh, baby, give me carbon or give me death. That's what I should have a, a T-shirt. It says, give me carbon or give me death. So I love this guy that I'm about to read. I'm going to share his article that I read. Quinn, is the U.S. banking system safe? Uh, and I want to make sure we have enough time. Yes, we do. So Jim Quinn writes often from his blog, The Burning Platform, and I've, I've only saved the highlights, so I'll, I'll spare you. But basically, he's talking about what happens next. Are we going to, let's see what, what the, the stock market says. Are, where are we today? Uh, let me see now. When I checked this morning, we were down. Uh, looks like we're about zero. And, and right now what's happening is Janet Yellen spoke earlier today, and she basically said that she had full confidence in the banking regulators to take the appropriate actions. Meanwhile, in Europe, the Swiss bank is bailing out someone else in the, in the number of billions of dollars. And so uh, Jim Quinn writes, the question now is whether the current situation is better or worse than the situation we faced in 2008. There are some factual items which may also help in assessing where we're at. And in August 2008, the national debt was $9.5 trillion, or 67% of the GDP. Today, that number is $31.5 trillion. That's 130% of the GDP. Total household debt was $12 trillion in 2008. That number now stands at $17 trillion today. The Fed's balance sheet was $900 billion in 2008 and now stands at $8.3 trillion. Inflation was at a 17-year high in 2008 at about 5.9%. Today, that number stands at 6%, GDP growing at 3.2% in 2008, that number 2.7%. Uh, the GDP is not growing as much. An impartial observer would have to conclude our economic situation is far worse than 2008. While risk managers at banks across the world have been concentrating on diversity and pushing woke agendas about transgender rights, climate change, and practicing ESG investing, they ignored the simple concept that bonds they acquired at 1% lose money when interest rates go to 4%. Just as the banks, so that's like saying if you had a dollar today, it's now worth 25 cents. Just as the banks in 2008 were sitting on billions of unrealized losses from the toxic mortgage on their books, the same banks are now sitting on billions of unrealized losses from the newest toxic asset, U.S. Treasuries. Everyone knows it. 
It's just math. They've been counting on Powell to reverse course, but with reported inflation still at 6%, he's trapped. Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank were swimming naked. And when depositors realized that fact, a bank run ensued. Poof. Sudden. Crisis. There's a little bit more I want to share with you. Real wages have been negative for 23 consecutive months. A banking crisis means banks will reduce lending dramatically. Consumers have been forced to live off their credit cards for the last two years as their savings dried up and their wages bought less. A deep recession is in the cards. Consumers are already pulling back and spending less. With credit drying up and spending going down, employers across the globe will start laying people off. As unemployment rises, people will stop paying their enormous mortgages and car loans. This will lead to more losses at banks, just like in 2008. If the Fed slashes rates and goes back and goes back to money printing through QE, the current 6% inflation rate will skyrocket to double digits. If Powell does nothing or continues easing rates, the banking system will likely collapse. And then finally, he says, we are at the beginning of the next global financial crisis, not the end. Fourth turnings do not fizzle out. They build to a crescendo of chaos and war. This financial crisis will usher in the military conflict that has been beckoning for the last year. Time to buckle up and prepare for the coming storm. And that is on Zero Hedge Today, authored by Jim Quinn. Uh, that'll scare the pants off you. Now you understand why I decided to read it. Because we're in a position here where, who do you trust? The experts? Janet Yellen, don't worry, everything's fine. What was that quote I, I read earlier today? It's so classic to this. If I could find it here. Here you go. This is Ernest Hemingway. How did you go bankrupt? Bill asked. Two ways, Mike said. Gradually and then suddenly. The other one, everything goes, is going great until it doesn't. Uh, now, thankfully, I am not completely enveloped in the stock market. Actually, hardly at all. So my assets are mostly hard and I'm grateful for that. But it is uh, not without reach that something can be affected. A car loan, an increase in a whole number of services that I depend on. And then, of course, you know, I'm not getting younger, neither are you. So it's not going to be a year of saving, that's for sure. But again, this is what leadership brings us when leadership is preoccupied with oak, woke ideology. All right, we're going to be talking to Michael Letts in just a moment about some initiatives that President Biden is putting forth that will limit your ability to defend yourself. We'll talk about that in just a moment here. Speaking out, America, I'm JR.
Welcome back to Speaking Out America. I am so glad to have, uh, when I was hosting for Robert Dobby over on the other channel, uh, the conversation, I was always able to grab a few minutes with Michael Letts. He is the founder and president of Invest USA, and he's got quite a history. Uh, he's a very fascinating man and, and an honorable man, too. So we want to thank him for coming on the show today and talking about a, what is a very serious issue. If you are a Second Amendment advocate, as I am, and you believe that absolutely you have as a right as a citizen to write, uh, to own a gun and be feel free to own a gun and protect yourself, especially in this day and age. Why every woman in this country doesn't have a gun, I don't know. But anyway, so now we find out that the FBI has been looking into the background of people uh, at gun shows and elsewhere, uh, monitoring people's financial backgrounds in order to refuse them from being able to buy a weapon. And that's against the Constitution. And as we'll talk with Michael Letts here in just a moment, just to give you an idea, uh, there was a case of a black man in Florida monitored daily by the FBI for 90 days in 2020 because an FTF, an ATF agent wrote, based on my training and experience, I have not seen a legal firearm purchaser purchase approximately 30 firearms in a 120-day window for their personal collection. And, of course, licensed firearm dealers must report to ATF the sale of two or more handguns for the same purchasers within five consecutive business days. What's, tell us what is inherently wrong with this scenario, Michael, when you have FBI agents or ATF agents looking into your personal purchasing records to determine whether or not you're a risk. Well, I will tell you, Jim, one of the biggest concerns that we need to talk about initially is what you mentioned. You have two federal agencies cooperating together, ATF and FBI. ATF is unconstitutionally tapping into the FBI records for seeking ways to go after lawful American citizens possessing firearms. That is unconstitutional. That is unlawful. And that is weaponizing and politicalizing a federal agency. That's the first thing. The FBI is just as bad. Shame on them for even being willing to talk about sharing those kind of records. Second of all, the FBI shouldn't have those records to begin with. That is of no value to any organization or any agency in an investigation. Thirdly, by doing such things, they are clearly attempting to do what we have talked about on your show before, the final thing that needs to happen, as far as the far-left communist socialists are concerned, is the disarmament of America. This is evidence and proof that it has been undergoing for some time. They're using every way available, illegal way available, of finding out who has the firearms, where they're located, so they can, upon assuming the role of taking over law enforcement throughout the country, and how do they plan on doing that, Jim? Very simply, we see it happening every day. They are supportive of defund the police movement. They are supportive of Antifa. They are trying to create a public perception that local and state law enforcement are inept, racist, and unable to do the job. And consequently need to be defunded, need to be disbanded, and a federal agency needs to step in to make sure that we deal with violent crime. Now, they have already stated how they're going to deal with violent crime. 
federal agencies under this administration, the Biden administration, have said the problem with violent crime is guns. So therefore, we remove guns, remove violent crime. America is once again safe. The fallacy with that, Jim, is they have absolutely no idea, nor could they have an idea, how they're going to get guns away from violent criminals. I promise you they're not going to come turn them in voluntarily. All that will be accomplished is they will take guns away from lawful American citizens who have the right to defend themselves, their families, their properties, and their communities, and allow that to be turned over to violent criminals. And we will have tyranny in this country, and we will never again be free. Uh, So let me play devil's advocate, because somebody would be naturally listening to this and saying, well, gee, what's wrong with tracking how many, if somebody buys 10 guns, you know, uh, over the course of two weeks, what's wrong with the uh, the FBI or the law enforcement looking into it to make sure this guy isn't stockpiling weapons or something? What's your response to that? Quite frankly, I understand the logic that they're saying, but it is not the role of government for us to decide how you should defend yourself. Whether you think one handgun is sufficient, whether you think 10 handguns are sufficient, five rifles and five handguns. You bear the responsibility as a citizen to determine what's best for you and your family in its defense and protection of your assets, not the government. That's what the Second Amendment is all about. The Second Amendment is very simply in place for one real particular reason, to keep the government from overstretching its bounds and enslaving the American people. And quite frankly, we are headed that way full pace to enslave the American people. And if we don't do something about it now, we'll never get the opportunity again. Well, you know, we don't, we, do we know absolutely for sure now that the FBI, uh, the federal government, is now monitoring people's speech on social media and looking at red flag statements and then going after those people without their knowledge? And, and how far, to, to, to what extent do you think that is happening now? Well, we know that to be a fact now because of what we've seen come out of Twitter. Now, isn't it amazing? Everybody was upset about Twitter. They didn't like Trump being on Twitter. Uh, they wanted it to be, you know, kept the way it was. They were excited that somebody would come in and bail Twitter out, that Mr. Musk would, would step behind it to keep it out of the hands of these deranged conservatives. And then suddenly when Mr. Musk comes in and turns over the files so that we can really see what was happening, it becomes abundantly clear in writing correspondence emails between the bureau between other federal agencies and these social media groups that they were monitoring that they were giving suggestions as to what speech to mm-hmm. shut down or what to allow and so we have them dead dead to rights i mean the evidence is there it's non-disputable what is non-disputable is what you just said the evidence that the fbi and atf are sharing files to begin to monitor to find out who has guns where they're at it's also undebatable the fact that atf has on another particular case is now working with retailers to get their records as to who purchases ammo, who purchases gun parts, et cetera. This is blatantly a violation of your rights as an American citizen to freedom and to liberty 
and to not be harassed by the government. Michael, that's always a pleasure to catch up with you, and we do have so much to cover, and we will continue to have you back on. He is the president and CEO of Invest USA. Invest USA. This is the time where the people who are on the right side of history need to stand up and support one another. As I support Michael and his efforts, and I hope that you will as well. Once again, Invest USA CEO and founder, President Michael Letts, joining me on Speaking Out America. And coming up, we're going to discuss the DeSantis. And uh, what did you hear about? The, okay, three, two, one. Coming up next, a great article by Victor David Hansen. He talks about, are we the Byzantines? Are we the Byzantines? And there's a lot of interesting comparisons to make with the, the current state of Western civilization to that of about 1400. And I think you'll be uh, intrigued as I was. And we'll share some of that. Plus, what's going on with Trump and uh, filing a lawsuit against DeSantis? Oh, we'll get to the bottom of that. And, of course, if you want to email me on the program, it's speakingoutamerica at uh, gmail.com. Speakingoutamerica at gmail.com. We'll always look forward to getting letters from listeners, letting me know what's on your mind or if you've got a question. We'll continue in just a moment. Welcome back to the program, Speaking Out America. JR here with you. Our website, speakingoutamerica.com. We have now a new live stream feature on the website, so you can listen to this broadcast and other newscasts, and basically a collection of news as it's occurring in real time uh, throughout America. It's kind of like that, you know that channel, uh, The Red Zone, on, on one of those cable where you can watch five different football games well, you never know what you're going to catch. So sometimes you'll hear something out of the blue uh, or oftentimes you'll hear the podcast in its entirety without commercials, which is a benefit. In case you missed the podcast, which airs on crntalk.com Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. We're very, very proud to be a part of the CRN Talk lineup and uh, big good people over there. So what's going on with Trump? And now he's filed a super PAC ethics complaint against DeSantis. According to a 15-page complaint, the Trump Super PAC MAGA Inc. is calling on the commission to investigate DeSantis for allegedly leveraging his elected office and breaching his associated duties in a coordinated effort to develop his national profile, enrich himself and his political allies, and influence the national electorate, end quote. As such, the complaint claims that DeSantis is, quote, already a de facto candidate for president of the United States because he has been engaging in various activities, such as meeting with donors, reaching out to potential staff through his allies, and courting influential Republicans in early voting states. The complaint requests that the commission take disciplinary action against DeSantis by either removing him from office, publicly censoring him, or imposing a fine. DeSantis' team naturally scoffing at the ridiculous claims, adding to the list, uh, the list of frivolous and political motivated attacks. It's inappropriate to use state ethics complaints for partisan purposes. That coming from the DeSantis communications director, Taryn Fenske said in a statement. Now, uh, Chip Roy, who has long been a supporter of Trump, I believe, uh, came out also 
recently and said that he uh, is a fan of, of DeSantis and supports him and not Trump, saying that he wants someone in who uh, has proven himself to be an effective leader. And he points to DeSantis's track record in Florida as an example of that leadership. And I would say that while I think it is obvious that DeSantis is, you know, running around promoting his book, I think uh, it, it's not a good sign if you don't tell people for sure, unless there's some political reason that I'm not aware of, which there probably is. But, you know, if, if DeSantis is coyly running for president, and he's not telling us, and it's under the guise of just pushing a couple of books, uh, then why is he sort of laying out his agenda of what he would do if he was president and touting his success? Uh, he's not running for re-election for governor. Uh, and the last time I checked, the only election that's coming up the next couple of years is for the presidency and some congressional seats and so forth. So uh, I think the, uh, the idea here is that if you're going to run, announce it, but don't be coy. That, that, that's my personal opinion. And, and I, by the way, am a big fan of, of DeSantis. So it's not like uh, I'm, I'm jumping on the DeSantis or the Trump bandwagon. And listen, I, I think a lot about Trump and his position now. I, I, clearly, I still stand where I believe. I, I believe that he was his policies were just so effective. And the stark difference between the way it is now and the way it was four years ago. And he was able to accomplish a lot of things. Drawing the ire of the left like crazy. I think the only thing that I hated about the Trump years was the noise. Uh, and it was by design. It was there to create hatred and foment hatred. You know, I heard uh, not long ago that Trump is going to start releasing emails that he received from many of his detractors over the years. People like Oprah Winfrey and others who humbly came to Trump when they needed something and then quickly turned their back when it became politically expedient for them to do so during his term instead of giving the guy a chance and giving the guy a shot. I mean, from day one, they were comparing photographs of the Obama inauguration versus the Trump inauguration. And for what purpose? Why was it so important for the left to demonize Trump so early in office? They didn't even give him a chance. And the, the way they treated Melania was just shameful. People that I thought should know better were talking to her like she was a piece of crap. And just, she, 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 what, guilty by association? And what, a, you know, what about all those Americans that watched, you know, his TV television shows and all those years where he did have quite a bit of success? And now all of a sudden he's political dung just because they don't like him. And so when the Republicans start reacting the same way towards Biden, we're all, we're all called deniers and deplorables. And so, which leads to a great article that Victor David Hansen wrote today, which you'll find on Town Hall and throughout uh, online journal journalism of any quality. And it questions, it asks the question, are we the Byzantines? Well, because I'm a product of the uh, contemporary uh, social education, I didn't know for sure who the Byzantines were. Uh, I think they may have dedicated all but two weeks in ninth grade to it, uh, which is a shame because based on what Victor David Hansen is saying, it's actually quite amazing who they were. And there are a lot of similarity, uh, similarities to be drawn. So I want to just sort of show you the highlights. 
Uh, Victor David Hansen writes, while Constantinople finally fell to the Ottomans on Tuesday, May 29th, 1453, the Byzantine Empire and its capital had up to that point survived for a thousand years beyond the fall of the Western Empire at Rome. So what happened to this once indomitable city fortress and its empire? Christendom had cannibalized itself. That's what Western Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy fought endlessly. Westerners often hated each other more than they did their common enemy. The 14th century Black Plague killed tens of thousands of Byzantines and scared thousands more into moving out of the cramped city. But the aging and dying empire battled more than the challenges of internal divisions or an unforeseen but deadly pandemic and the, empire, and the empire's disastrous responses to it. What happened was they neglected their former civic values and fought endless battles over obscure religious texts, doctrines, and even vocabulary. They did not expand their anemic army and navy. They did not reunite their scattered Greek-speaking empire. They did not properly maintain their once life-giving walls. Instead of earning money through the accustomed nonstop trade, they inflated their currency and were forced to melt down the city's inherited gold and silver fixtures. Childlessness became common. Most now preferred to live outside of what had become a half-empty, often dirty, and poorly maintained city. Meanwhile, they underestimated the growing power of the Ottomans, who systematically pruned away their empire. By the 15th century, mid-Islamic armies were ready to exploit fatal Byzantine weaknesses, and that they did, and history shows that they were the victors. And isn't that interesting? The comparisons are striking, aren't they? Now, Hansen continues on, and he says, nowhere is it foreordained that America has a birthright to remain the world's preeminent civilization. Left and right seem to hate each other more than they do their common enemies. Like the Byzantines, Americans gave up defending their own borders and simply shrugged as millions overran them as they pleased. Like Byzantines, Americans have become snarky iconoclasts, more eager to tear down art and sculpture that they no longer have the talent to create current woke dogma, obscure word fights, and sanctimonious cancel culture are as antithetical to the past generations of World War II as the last generations of Constantinople was to the former great era of the emperors Constantine, Justinian, Heraclius, and Leo. The Byzantines never woke up in time to understand what they had become, so neither have Americans. What a terrific article written by Victor David Hansen, and now you can see why I decided to read it and share it with you, because it's that kind of writing that gets us into thinking about the current problems at hand and what we're going to do to solve them. Indeed. And we will continue speaking out, America. So now I've got a terrible predicament. My dog hates me. Yeah. My wife and I got into a little argument about the fact that she thinks that I feed him too much. You know, he's a little guy, a little shih tzu. 
And and their number one reason for existing is because they're they want to eat. I mean, that's all the dogs want to do. They're like birds. They would eat them. They would eat themselves to death. Uh, you know, because that's what they that's what they live for. Snacks. That dog will do anything just to get a snack. You know, like Scooby. <clears throat> I don't know how to fix this problem, but I'm just going to do what the wife says and feed him. And then if he's starving, he's starving. You know, he's got a long way to go to be starving. <clears throat> Well, so the new movie is out, Shazam, in which it is a sequel to the previous cinema release a few years back. Uh, only this time, Shazam is being his authentic self. Uh, this is the new term to justify a person being able to make a decision on how they really want to be instead of who they were born as. It's not as if Shazam was already unusual being born with superhuman strength. But he had to dig deep and find his authentic self so that he could get the affirmation he needed to be a superhero. Uh, or you could just say he was attracted to men, which is closer to the truth. And, you know, today in Hollywood movie making, they have to have that subplot uh, because that's just what they do. They, they've got to remind everybody who they love. And all about their authentic self. That's the new term now. Now I'm going to get. Uh, I'm going to roll up my sleeves here, and I'm going to get a little bit personal. But as long as the other side is bringing it up, I'm going to express my own point of view, which is based on my own life experience. I'm going to go on a journey for my own authentic point of view, and I will point out that, in my opinion, an opinion that might someday get me out, uh, get me kicked off the board of some company uh, is that the number one reason boy boys become gay, uh, aside from perhaps father issues, unable to connect with their dad for whatever reason, but that's not the primary reason. The primary reason they, they grow up thinking they're gay is because they've been sexually molested. I don't mind telling you that as a kid, I had numerous encounters with older men. I think most, most boys do, you know, old men that come on to you, what they call chicken hawks, or they get super suggestive, and in many cases, downright physically violent, violate young young boys. Now, I have not had to endure that shame of being physically accosted, but pretty damn close on a couple of events with people that they used to call perverts. And this is where the sickness starts. These adult predators take advantage of younger boys or girls. They do things to them that are morally reprehensible. So how does a young child possibly have the emotional capacity to deal with an issue of sexual assault? The answer is that they have three choices. One, they accept it and keep it stuffed inside, a deep, horrible shame that sometimes festers later into its own form of abuse, either of self or, or others. They either begin to assault young boys or they hate themselves and they go right into the gender dysphoria where they become abusive or addictive to cover up the pain that they feel. Or they process the whole event as their fault and then assume they must be gay because men were attracted to them. This is how young boys sometimes think. But they don't talk about that at the parties of the LGBTQ. 
They don't, they don't have these kinds of discussions. All they talk about is their celebration of expanding the field of LGBTQdom. <clears throat> Girls are abused during the formative years and they have trust issues themselves. And they are not able to emotionally uh, form, form bonds with men. Many become isolated or become lesbian, not because they like women physically, but because they are unable to form a trustful bond with men, which stems from an experience of trauma or sexual abuse. This is all documented. The horrific point to all of this is our society now encourages predatory behavior. In California, they have passed laws to protect predators. Young children in California are now at risk from these predators who are being shielded by the state out of compassion for LGBTQ advocacy. Minnesota's loving and liberal governor, Tim Waltz, recently penned legislation, quote, protecting the rights of LGBTQ people from Minnesota and other states to receive gender-affirming health care. And he wrote, quote, we want every Minnesotan to grow up feeling safe, valued, protected, celebrated, and free to exist as their authentic versions of themselves. Walt said, quote, protecting and supporting access to gender affirming health care is essential to being a welcoming and supportive state. This is the mindset of people who are pushing this trans ideology. Let me tell you about one person I know very well. His name is Blossom. He's a former heroin addict. He was once charged with third degree murder for assisting in the death of his girlfriend who had overdosed one night. Well, they were both on drugs. Blossom is a ward of the state because of the PTSD he experienced as a young boy who was forced to watch his father sexually abuse his sisters with other adults joining in. Blossom is on SSI and is being treated medically for anxiety. Plus, he gets weekly methadone treatments to help him recover from his previous heroin addiction. I say he because Blossom used to be a man until he decided to be a woman, whom he always felt he was. The state of California forced and footed the bill for this transitioning. On his Facebook page, Blossom frequently thanks his circle of friends who are proud that he was able to find his authentic self and to be who he really was meant to be. Now, what do you think the chances are that Blossom, subject to intense child abuse, would have a reason to run as far as possible from, his, from himself? The bigger question should be, how is it that with over 20 years of mental health treatment, not once did any of Blossom's healthcare providers treat him for the PTSD through good therapy instead of handing him drugs and paying for his apartment because he couldn't function in society? Is it that we're so focused on people finding their authentic selves that we're willing to endorse and subsidize emotional and mental illness? Taxpayers pay hundreds of millions of dollars to help people like Blossom. In fact, we paid for Blossom. How does that make you feel? Those are the tough questions, and those are the conversations we should be having. And, I, and if I haven't upset you already, let me just pull one story, just one story out of the out of the bag from today uh, that you read about. And these stories are getting more and more frequent. And to me, what it tells me is that we are in a period of uh, a huge moral quandary. We have adults that are acting like pedophiles everywhere. I mean, uh, let me go to just the news if I can get to it 
Disney in France has co-sponsored an event that is a drag show that features a transgender prostitute who basically goes around the whole course of the evening and invites uh, people from the age of 15 to 30 to go in the bathroom and have a nice little uh, videotape session with this transgender prostitute. And this is what they're they're doing. Uh, the, this is how they're celebrating their, their... And I'm not making this up. Go to justthenews.com. It's just there today. Disney France, a corporate sponsor of a Pride event in Paris in which a transgender prostitute reportedly filmed sexually provocative videos in the restrooms of the city hall. Now, I don't really give a damn what these people in France do. I don't care. But it's a reflection of something in our society that I'm not comfortable with. And the fact that Disney would sponsor such an event. I mean, these these people, these CEOs, really have to start looking at what they're doing. I wrote a letter to, well, who was it? It was some company that I had stock in because they had uh, co-sponsored Drag Queen Library Day uh, throughout the country. These CEOs, they sit there and they think that they're doing something virtuous when the, the sad reality is that they're do, doing something that's morally depraved why is that an issue why is something morally depraved in what, what were were puritans uh were were like the people uh in uh what's that stupid tv show uh, about the women handmaid's tale that's it handmaid's tale remember that one you know and, and and now you got people on the left who are accusing people who are just wanting to be decent just wanting to be decent and, and want our kids to grow up in an environment where they're not being preyed upon by Older people who are normalizing predatory behavior, as we've seen in California, as we continue to see. Even commercials at night, watch them. This is sick, and it's no wonder people are getting upset. And then the and then the left says, well, why are they getting so upset and so obsessed? Well, it's kind of hard not to when you see it going around everywhere, when you see the behavior that's being displayed, and then you get these people who, who virtue signal, oh, we just want to affirm your journey and hope that you get to the that great journey where you can rediscover the true you, the authentic you, and it just sounds like all this cycle babble. And, what, and again, it's confusing and it's destructive ultimately to the family. And I really just get so tired of talking about it. That's the thing is I, I really do get tired of talking about it. Uh, but I, if I stop talking about it, and then, then I'm endorsing it. And then I'm allowing it to happen around me and I'm doing nothing. So we can't do that. We, we just have to stop Enough is enough. You know what we need to do? I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to do this. We need to go boo. Boo. That's what we need to do. Is go boo. Boo. We don't like this. Boo. I'm canceling my Disney subscription. Boo. I'm not going to the theme park anymore. Boo. You know, the thing is they probably don't even care. they just written us off as deplorables to be ignored. All right. Tomorrow's Friday. I'm going to be in a much better mood. Have a great Thursday night. I hope I, uh, I hope I enlightened you in some fashion. And again, don't forget to stop by the website, speakingoutamerica.com. Email me, speakingoutamerica at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for stopping by.